Our sponsor today on Drinking with Authors is Skunk Brothers Spirits. Skunk Brothers Spirits was started by a family of disabled veterans focused on locally sourced quality distilled spirits. Their name was inspired by their pops, who was nicknamed Skunk. Skunk's father was a moonshiner in Oregon back when it wasn't exactly legal. Now the brothers are taking the family business legal with their Washington-based team using their grandfather's Prohibition-era moonshine recipe to bring small batch spirits to the gorge and beyond. From the moonshine corn whiskey to the apple pie brandy, all of their spirits are handmade in Washington. Believing they already have the best ingredients in the local community, they work with local farmers and suppliers to produce the highest quality spirits from scratch. You can find them on Facebook at Skunk Brothers and on Twitter at Skunk Bros Inc. Or visit their site www.skunkbrothersspirits.com and use coupon code DWA10 at checkout to read 10% off your order. You can always also ask your local retailer to start stocking Skunk Brother Spirits. Regardless of how you get your hands on a bottle or two, grab a drink and don't forget to get skunked. This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. That's my next goal is to get a sponsor that right? wants to, yeah no i have a new wine sponsor coming in that reached Ooh. out to us i'm like look we're going places people reaching out to us whatever we're fancy from. <laughs> so i am your host erica lambs our sponsor today before i forget with my vodka filled dreams our skunk brother spirits coupon code dwa10 check them out um, uh, my co-host, I was about to describe what I was drinking. I'm doing great. It's fine. It's totally fine. Um, my co-host today is the probably less drunk than me, C.R. Rice, and our amazing guest is Amy Bernstein. Okay, to the drinks. I have decided because I got teased by CR yesterday or the day some day before about my gin drinking I'm drinking vodka I like keep turning this cup if you're on YouTube you see it it's very bizarre it doesn't get any better or more knowledgeable by me doing it it's just sort of happening is um, vodka and Sprite like a college student so just saying um CR what are you drinking I'm drinking Powerade and vodka and blue Powerade because it's the best one Blue Parade, which is the blue flavor. Um, Amy, what are you drinking? I am drinking Pigoudet Premier Rosé from Vin de Provence in France. And it's a lovely, lovely pale pink color. That sounds fantastic. Pale pink rosé. Um, right. Amy, what is your favorite book of all time? Uh-oh. You know, I always, I always go back to childhood because it was so meaningful and it was A Wrinkle in Time by Madeline Lengel, which I read over and over and over again and cried so hard every single time. I really oh. need to reread it. I need to reread it. There you go. 
idea for this week. What about your least favorite book of all time? Oh, well, I can't go through all the DNFs, all the did not finishes. <laughs> least favorite book. You know, um, so here's the way I'm going to answer that. One of the most, um, uh, let's see, uh, Ishiguro, um, the, the British writer, uh, is one who wrote Remains of the Day, is an extraordinary, extraordinary writer. Amazing, amazing writer. He wrote a book that I really, really, really struggled with about monsters in or trolls in caves. And I was like, what are you doing here, man? Do I have to read this? I, it was really tough. And he's, he is an amazing writer. You know who else is an amazing writer? Um, Margaret Atwood, of course. But she also, I don't remember the name of it. She wrote something a few years ago that was, if you didn't see her name on the book, you would think it was a new author, newly published, <laughs> figuring stuff out. Amazing what when you get ghost writers. <laughs> no, no, no. Look, they're, they're, they're amazing with incredible, in, it really enduring contributions to literature. And so I would normally not even throw shade um, at anybody. But, you know, I think the truth is that even great writers can have misses. Um, oh, yeah. Well, and it also depends on if they're going outside of what you've come to know and love them doing. Them for, that's right. Yeah, yeah. because I think some writers get in habits. That's the way I consider it, like habits of how they write. And when you're a newer author, and especially when you're a newer author that hasn't been shoved into a lane by a publisher that you're only allowed to write for them and only allowed to write paranormal romance, and that's what you do. And you're like, oh, I came up with this sort of murder mystery thing that I want to write. I think there's a point in time where you go to do that and why maybe why Stephen King when he went, you know, the Dark Tower and stuff was like, I'm going to I'm going to put it under this other name. I'm going to do this thing because people go, what in the hell is that crap? You know, when you're a newer author or an author that is not as confined, I think you can go screw you. I'm, I'm a fucking murder mystery. You screw off. Right. Because <laughs> and it's more accepted by your readers. Yeah. Yeah, I think that is a great point. You know what else? And I'm not going to name the name of the author or the book. I read a book quite recently and I forced myself to finish. And the, the author did something that, that and it was, a, it was very well regarded, got a lot of attention, ticked me off so much because instead of just telling a story with these really compelling characters, the author decided that he absolutely had to pontificate and, and editorialize politically endlessly. So he kept interrupting his story to bang you over the head with like political philosophical thoughts and i'm like dude tell the story it's going to do that work for you you don't have to come you don't have to lecture us on the side and i you know i i just wonder what was the conversation with the editor around that because if i had turned that manuscript in they would have said oh no you gotta cut this dig i cut all that out no 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 well it's interesting because very much, and this is something we, I don't think we ever really touch on, 
um, you can have good editors, you can have bad editors, and you can have um, editors that are pushovers. I've touched on this a little bit because, you know, Stephen King has a whole thing on his website to report issues because of what happened with the cell and that he had an editor that didn't want to push back to him. And you can go, well, that's Stephen King, but you can have people who are editors that by luck have gotten books that they haven't had to push back on very much. And then they get presented with something like that. And they just, they don't push back or whatever happens, or maybe they think they're being revolutionary and you're like, uh, didn't look at it. I mean, I was having a conversation earlier today about this because like you can look at a big name book and you can find typos in it, right? Yeah, and, right. you know, we find typos in our books, whether they're self-published or author. It drives me freaking nuts when I find a typo, but I've actually, you know, very much Elsa style, let it go. Because no matter what you do, you're going to find typos in your book. Like, I don't care if it goes through 40 proofreaders and beta readers and whatever, you spelled the word igloo wrong and fucking everybody missed it, right? Mm -hmm. And so you just... And, I, I anyway that was a very long vodka filled I think that's incredible I think that's an incredibly interesting insight and comment though about about the editors because I always expect from my own experience you know I expect the editors to kind of be hard on you and be sticklers as, and, and you know they should um to at least to a point but I just couldn't I was trying to recreate in my mind how that book got published that way and whether you know if it had I don't know Maybe if it hadn't been a white dude, maybe it would have been a different outcome. I don't know. But, you know, I just, I just was like, I, why'd you do this? I think a lot of times it comes down to if your name is big enough. Like, cause you remember when fucking Stephanie Meyer was super huge, she released the host, which was 800 pages of just shit. And like, nobody said a fucking word to her because she was making like, millions of dollars and they're like no 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 it's cool it's fucking right it's an amazing how about book. we take any el james book and hold it up to that magnifying glass i think there's a degree of what people will accept and then you also have authors like laurel k hamilton's an author i follow a lot so i say this out of um i follow it a lot is she had such great stories at the beginning of her anita blake series just really great stories and the last book that came out that i read that i recall had a whole thing about um this one it was set in florida i think is the last one and it has these great stories but then she spends half the fucking book i keep swearing because a lot about that half the book talking about polyamorous relationships right sure. and how it all works but it's not it's not needed for the book and i go for her editor and go Dude, get her back on track with the story. We got it. Since book seven, we're now on book 31, polyamorous relationships. We all understand it. We do not need half of a book dedicated to discussing this. But Maybe she never, was drinking vodka too. You don't I, I don't think that's her thing. I think she literally likes talking about it. But this, um, this, is, this is one of my issues with series. I don't tend to read series because I just skip around a lot. I guess like in my own writing, I skip around a lot in my reading. But this is my thing about series. I think there's very few authors who can sustain true quality over a number of books that are in a series where you're sort of still milling around, you're mining the same 
write the same goal over and over and over. I mean, I, I, so I just came across an author today who's like writing a third, she says she's writing a 32 book series. And I'm just thinking, you know, I just got to ask some questions about that. Well, you can, here's the trick. Here's where I think the trick is. I think you can go to a certain degree if you know you're doing it and you can plot out the journey where you're yeah. not fast, you're not Star Warsing it, where we're blowing up a circular space station somewhere, right? You can't blow up a circular space station every single time, right? When you do that, well, I it's think you be square you, eventually. Yeah, <laughs> the board. Um, I you can do that, but I think part of it is this too. If you can create the world and you have the characters that are working together in the world or worlds or universe, whatever you want to call it, but you are not still following the same exact character for 32 books. If you are, it's the world and some of the characters pop in and out and stuff right. like that, you can do that. Where you can't do it is if there's not, if you don't understand the concept of the evolution of the story and who is the bad guy they're encountering? Because you look at, we were talking about this the other day, some of these um, shows that have lasted a long time mm -hmm. uh, on a thing. And, you know, you have to have a new bad guy you're fighting. You have to have a new something that is occurring that's moving the story. If you keep going back to the same bad guy right. or right. you keep focusing on the same things versus what is the new thing and I think also, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this for the Anita Blake, if you overpower the character, so the character flaws no longer exist, because that's part of what makes the hero of stories have the hero stories, right? Is you have to not have them go from zero to a hundred. If you're going to have a long series, they got to go zero to one or two, and then three or four, and then maybe seven, but then in the next book, they go back to six because of something traumatic happens, you're, you'll be fine on that. Like you look at this Dexter series, right? Which was on TV and whatever, same character, same thing, but he's being put into different circumstances, right? That he's having to, because he's not a socially correct creature, adapt to it when they start hunting him down and stuff. I mean, that's just my, how you can do it. But I think sometimes people don't do that and then, you know what, Anita Blake's a best-selling author. I mean, Laurel K. Hamilton's a best-selling author. I buy her books. I'm, I consider myself pop-committed, you know. You also her. have to know when to stop it, too, you know? Like, mm -hmm. stop beating a dead horse. Like, you just, mm -hmm. there's a certain point where, like, you've said everything. You've done everything. You can only kill so many people and be traumatized so many times before. It's just like, you know what, it doesn't even fucking hurt anymore. Because mm -hmm. that is a natural thing in human psyche. And, like, sometimes you just have to let it stop. Mm -hmm. yeah you know I think I agree and I think it also has to do with where's the money coming from you know what I mean yep like where's the money coming from uh if your publisher is like hey we don't want any of these other ideas you're showing up with we only want this series and this is what you're paying and you're a full-time writer she happens to be a full-time writer you know it's different if you set yourself up and that's what you write I think there's a lot of people that you meet on the story track and they go after this book, it was hard and I lost interest because of the nature of it, you know? And look at that wild tangent we just went on. That was a yeah. wild, that was a wild, was not asking rapid fire question <laughs> tangent. I like it. 
I like it. Okay. What about um, your favorite uh, book into a TV show or a movie where they, you think they did right by the book? Oh, well, gosh, you're assuming that I read the book and I'm not just watching the TV show and that's, no, I just watched the TV show. I know, um, I know you're not going to okay. say wrinkle in time. I no, can guarantee no, I, that you're not no, I, 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 okay. So, so I did read Handmaid's Tale, of course, when it came out. And I, I do think, I do think that the show, um, has done some really, really interesting, daring things, uh, that are way outside the, the book. Um, and I think that's an interesting case of taking probably the best book Margaret Atwood ever wrote, Handmaid's Tale, and updating necessarily and keeping it really really fresh and relevant and i guess their last season is about to drop actually or pretty soon um so i think that's a really good example but honestly i okay so i did read i read the um elena ferrante uh trio i love elena ferrante so i read um the 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 three books um about the girls then um what's it called um you're talking to somebody who doesn't know and is drinking vodka. Book about sorry, girls. <laughs> sorry. Um, Elena Ferrante is the Italian author who it's like a pseudonym and no one knows who the real author is. And okay, well, the books are amazing, 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 amazing. They take these young girls with this intense friendship in in uh, Naples, Italy, and up through adulthood, and they turned it into a little mini series. And they did this amazing. They did an amazing job of casting actresses who I for once when does this happen they look the actresses looked almost exactly the way I pictured the characters I think that's a rare situation oh, but I, I have to I have to tell you on the whole I'm I'm the worst at this I I just tr I read one thing and watch another so I don't always make that leap um so maybe there are some other books I've read that translated into the tv but usually I probably just like get into the TV thing and I don't even always know that it was a book to be honest. Oh, oh, I know an example, Outlander. I oh. love, <laughs> I love Outlander. I've never read a word of Diana Gabaldon, not a word. I went onto Amazon and I read like the first page of the first book to see what it was like. And I'm like, oh, I'm just going to watch the series. You know what? A lot of people though, I'll tell you this from doing this interview and asking a question. A lot of people say Outlander that the books um, I, I think besides book four, that the books were good, like not exactly the same, but the books were good. There are yeah. people that yeah. enjoyed both, you know, so um, not everybody, but there are some people that enjoy both. Okay, Chels, you're up, my friend. I'm not okay. doing very well. I'm sounding really stupid. No, you're, <laughs> you're good. You can't sound stupid. No, if you could be any mythological creature, what would you be? Oh, wow. Um, well, I'm just going to, okay. Do you want a creature that like exists that I could name or can I just assign myself my own superpowers and that's the mythological creature? No, you gotta, it's gotta be a real one. It's this gotta be why, a real one. This is why I do so badly on standardized tests because I overthink all the questions and I decide the way I want to answer it, which is not the way they want me to answer it. Oh, um, um, um. Oh gosh, um, I don't think I don't think one is coming to mind that I want to be necessarily. Um, maybe how about a ghost? A real? How about a really powerful Greek goddess? How about like 
Athena or something like that. Oh, okay. that would be cool. Athena that would works. Be cool. Okay. All right. So I if like you power, could be powerful, if if you could be any main character of a book, but you have to live their life, who would you be? Oh my gosh, these questions are so hard to answer on the fly. This is harder than this or that. People. This is way harder than this or that. Yeah, um, no, this is we. This is why we get paid the big bucks. Oh my gosh, we're not, um, not paid for this at all. So, so let me tell you right now what's going to haunt me. I'm 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 searching around, flailing around, flailing around for the answer to that question. It is a fabulous question. And at two o'clock this morning, when I can't sleep, I'll come up with a really, really brilliant answer for you. <laughs> I love that. Would That's going to be fantastic. I, You're going to send that have, in. Who would I be if I had to live their life? I really, I am so drawing a blank right now, yet I feel like that answer lies within me somewhere. Okay. So but, what? who would you want for a sidekick? Oh, um. I want a sidekick who's going to both support me and challenge me both. Oh, you, you want to pick you, the sidekick. You, you want to pick it. Who would it be? I don't know. I don't know. I'm bad at this. I don't have, I just can't, I can't pull names out of a hat, guys. That's okay. So we're going to, we're going to do the, this differently. <laughs> what is your favorite weird food combination? Now, here's something that I think goes beautifully together and people have poo-pooed it and I don't understand. You, okay. should dip your, you should dip your potato chip in ketchup. No, that's nothing. That's like French fries. That doesn't count. I had people just go off on me on this. I'm telling you. And I also and also vinegar on French fries, which is... Um, Ew, my mom does that. Oh, that's I like that. That's very European. Oh. Very European. I like that. So gross. Can't do it. Okay, so how about you're wandering around, you're all by yourself, nobody's around you, you find a million dollars, what do you do with it? Oh, that's easy. I set up a foundation and systematically give it away. Okay. I like it. I like that's it. Pretty, that's pretty good. If you could do anything, the number one thing on your bucket list, what would it be? It's a really long bucket list. It's got to be the number one thing. If I told you right now, no matter what it is, Greece and then Australia. Okay. First class, first class only, <laughs> and only top flight hotels everywhere. Okay. What about your anti bucket list? What is what something is you will never do again? I really don't like getting on sailboats. Boats don't like getting on boats. But I will probably do it again. But what I really, what I really will not do, what will I really not do again? I will not ever go to someone's party on a boat where you cannot get off when you want to get off because you're out in the middle yes. of fucking nowhere and you're, the party's going on for way to that. I'll never do that again. That's one. I hate party boats. <laughs> yeah. Do you, um, do you read your reviews? I do. How do I you do. feel about reading your reviews? You know what? If you're going to put your work out there, then the bargain is you take what you take what comes and read it. Don't read it. It is what it is. People are entitled to their opinions. And I'm really learning to like sort of separate myself from that to some degree. 
And if, if I feel that my, I put my intentionality out there and I told the story that I wanted to tell and my editor supported me, my publisher published the damn thing, they believe in me. It's like, hey, I, you know, I can't please all the people all the time. That's how I feel do, about that. Do you write reviews? I write reviews on, on Amazon for books, uh, for other authors. And I, I will be, I, I'm very respectful about it. I'm never, ever, ever going to take an author down on a published review, ever. I'm not going to do it. No, I'm, I like it. I like it. Okay, Chels, you have the final riveting question. This is always so hard. I know. Guys, I feel like I'm like getting like a C minus or a D plus here, and I, I'm no, sorry. No, you that. can't fail. It's you random. Are, you can't fail this. You're drinking with other <laughs> authors. Like you can't, you can't screw that up. You could literally be like pass, pass, and right. you'll still be doing fine. Don't worry about it. Okay, so what is your ultimate guilty pleasure? Ooh, what is my ultimate guilty pleasure? Um. Definitely watching, oh, binge watching something on TV with way too much wine and probably eating way more sushi than is good for me. Now, if that sounds not like a guilty pleasure for me, that's what qualifies as a guilty pleasure. Like no, I'm sort of- guilty binge pleasure. Yes. Sometimes, no offense, sometimes napping to me is yeah, a right, guilty pleasure. Right. Like I'm right. gonna go take right. a nap in the middle that of the feels day. feels so scandalous, no, I, like who? <laughs> no, I no, I I can think I can do I can I do better than that. In the middle, I'm sitting here at my dining room table on my computer all day, every day. I hit a wall, and somewhere between two and three in the afternoon, I just go to YouTube and I just browse the shit out of a whole bunch of stuff that doesn't matter. That's that's a guilty pleasure. Ah, uh, the YouTube rabbit hole. Yes. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I will go down there. I will go down there. I yeah. love it. Okay. Okay, Amy, my friend, shameless self-promotion time again. Tell us about the books and where to find you. Uh, well, The Night Hawkers is out now on all the usual places, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Walmart.com, wherever you like to buy your books. And this is a time-traveling paranormal romance about an archaeologist who much, must choose between her handsome first lover and the irresistible stranger who helps her discover a powerful destiny. The Nighthawkers is getting a lot of really good reviews, I will say, which makes me feel warm and fuzzy. And uh, people can also go to my website, amywrites.live. Wonderful. Amy, you have been a thorough pleasure. Do not think you got to see your D minus at all. You've been terrible amounts of fun. We appreciate having you on the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I actually really had a lot of fun despite the despite the questions that I could not answer. So we'll just call it a sort of a pass pass fail grading system. And you pass. Pass pass. <laughs> Absolutely. You passed. So this has been Drinking with Authors Literary Briefs. Our sponsorship for this wonderful episode is Skunk Brothers Spirits. If you check out their website and use coupon code DWA10, you will get 10% off your order. They are amazing brother and veteran owned in Washington State. My co-host today has been the fabulous Ciara Rice. And our amazing guest today has been Amy Bernstein. And we will see you guys next time.